It's a blessing to be in the house of the Lord just one more time, and we thank God for uh, just this special time of the year uh, where we get a chance to make much of the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and we get a chance to reflect and think deeply about the impact of his birth and his life. Uh, in the midst of that, as we prepare for Christmas and uh, we set up uh, Christmas trees and all of that, I think sometimes life can become, uh, the rhythm of life can be disrupted. Um, what should bring us a sense of peace and joy, sometimes the hustle and bustle and all of the things that we have to do in preparation for Christmas can sometimes be chaotic. And, uh, but we don't want Christmas to be, be that way. And I think that's one of the reasons Pastor George is, is raising that question. How can we keep Christmas simple? You know, how can we uh, keep Christmas peaceful? And how can we really enjoy uh, Christmas and uh, that the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Last Sunday, Pastor George did an excellent, excellent job in talking about, you know, that first step and what it means to keep Christmas simple. And today we're going to talk about two sisters uh, by the name of Martha, Martha and Mary. And uh, uh, they're going to, we're going to learn some lessons from them today because uh, they uh, represent uh, something in us that all of us have. And, and we're going to get into that in a few minutes. But I want to ask you to stand right now. And we're going to read Luke chapter 10 Verses 38 to 40, 38 to 42. Amen. If you have to say amen. All right. Now, y'all going to have to get used to saying amen now. I, I, amen. Thank you. Let us read together. Now, as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to come help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need only for one thing. Mary has chosen the better part which will not be taken away from her. Amen. You may be seated. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. About four years ago, um, my wife took me to the, to the hospital, to the emergency room, and I, I felt uh, pain in my chest, and uh, we went into the emergency room. The doctor uh, hooked me up and made sure that I wasn't having a heart attack. And, and after he did all, checked all of my vital signs, he came back into the room and said, well, it looks like you're, you're all right. The only thing that I could conclude is uh, you're suffering from stress. He said uh, to me, you're, you're 48 years old. And I thought that was still young. You're 40, amen. <laughs> You're 48 years old, 
you're a pastor and you're an African-American male. He said, you need to get some rest. And that was his prescription for me that day. And so immediately my wife took my phone And we got in the car, and she took, uh, we went to Victoria, Canada, and spent a week there. And uh, it was clear to me that after a week and a half of having done three funerals and one wedding, uh, I didn't know whether I was coming or going. And, and I was in such a hurry to please the congregation, to please people, to be there for those who, who were bereaved that I had neglected the culture, and the rest of my own soul. And it was clear to me that my life was out of balance, uh, that the rhythm of life, uh, my equilibrium was off. So I thank God that uh, he gave me a reality check on that day. And I don't know where you are today, but this lesson today helps us to understand how important it is uh, to have... uh, a balance in life. And so we're, we're introduced to these two sisters who are, who are said to represent the tension in the life of each disciple who tries to balance the aspect of the Christian life that, that is contemplation and action, rest and work. Both are essential to the Christian faith. The only question is how do you strike a balance between the two? I'm glad you asked that question. Because sometimes the rhythm of life can get out of balance. And in this discipleship case study between these two sisters, Jesus gives us some insight on how to keep our spiritual equilibrium in the Christian life. As we look at this passage of Scripture, We, you know, many of us, we're familiar with Martha, we're familiar with Mary. For those of us who don't know Martha and Mary, they are are sisters, but they are the sisters of Lazarus. Uh, Lazarus is the one who Jesus raised from from the dead. Uh, You remember that story when Martha and Mary had called Jesus and asked him to come because Lazarus was sick? And Jesus took, him, took his time as a pastor and didn't get there until four days later. And Martha was the first one to meet him there. And she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother Lazarus would not have died. Scripture says that Jesus wept. And one would have thought that Jesus wept because Lazarus had died. But I really believe Jesus wept because of their lack of understanding of who he was. And so right then and there, Jesus tells Martha and Mary, you don't understand, I am the resurrection and the life. Martha and Mary, Mary said, well, Lord, I get that. I understand that. I I know that the resurrection is coming. I understand, but Lord, you should have been here. Mary had an attitude. (laughs) So the scripture said Jesus made his way to the tomb where Lazarus Lazarus had been buried. And, and he said, Lazarus, come forth. The old Baptist preacher said that if he had just said come forth, then everybody would have gotten out of the grave. <laughs> and so he says, Lazarus, come forth. And there Lazarus comes in his grave clothes uh, out of the tomb, alive and well. 
And it was then and there that Martha and Mary began to understand uh, the totality of who Jesus was. They began to understand that he was indeed the resurrection and the life. We're also introduced to Mary. Mary is the one who, uh, every time you see Mary, she was always somewhere at the feet of Jesus. And on one particular occasion, Mary made her way into a dinner that had been prepared, a reception that had been prepared for Jesus. And Mary uh, makes her way there, and she breaks a bottle of perfume and pours it on Jesus' feet and washes Jesus' feet with her hair. Now, is there ever time to let your hair down? It should be for Jesus. And that's exactly what Mary did. And so Mary and Martha are no strangers to us. They, they are... Uh, they are very dear friends to Jesus. Verse 38 tells us, tells us now as they, they went on their way, he entered a certain village in where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. What a beautiful setting. The setting is clear. Martha obviously is the big sister. She's, she's, she's running the house, and this is her place. And uh, Martha obviously has the gift of hospitality. Uh, Martha, obviously, she's, she's task-oriented. And I want us to understand, when we look at these two sisters, it's not necessarily about them as sisters as much as it is about uh, who, who they represent. And what I mean by that is there's a little bit of Martha and a little bit of Mary in each and every one of us. Uh, Martha is, is task-oriented. Uh, she has the gift of hospitality. She wants to get, get things done. Mary is contemplative. Uh, there she is sitting at the Jesus' feet, taking everything in. And so I would venture to say today, as I look over this audience, that there's a little bit of Mary and in, in Martha in each and every one of us. Some of us got more Martha in us than we have Mary. And then there are some of us who have more Mary in us. We're more contemplative and less, less task-oriented than, than Martha. But I think what Jesus is saying to us in this text, the gospel writer is saying to us, is that we must strike a balance between the two. So let's look at this sibling tension between Martha and Mary. Martha invites Jesus and the disciples into her home. And there's an old Jewish proverb that says, let your house be a meeting house for the sages and sit amidst the dust of their feet and drink in their words with thirst. And I think that's what Mary had in mind, that it's not every day that Jesus comes to your house, so I'm going to soak up everything that Jesus has to say. But the plot thickens as, as the gospel writer introduces us to the setting. It says she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. Verse 40 says, but Martha, but Martha was distracted by her many tasks. She came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to come help me. Now, you can tell Martha has an attitude here. Uh, you can tell Martha is kind of, you know, shaking her head like a sister. Amen, somebody. <laughs> Martha has an attitude here, and, 
it's possible, it's possible that Mary has heard this conversation before. Uh, they've, they've, they've been in, it's like a broken record. It just keeps saying the same thing over and over again. So Martha looks at this opportunity to get Jesus on her side. Uh, Martha looks at this opportunity to say, I can't change Mary, but maybe you can, Jesus. Maybe you can speak some sense into my sister, Jesus. Martha will soon be surprised uh, that, Mary, that Jesus has something to share with her. Jesus has something to say. And we, we discover here uh, that Martha and Mary are at odds with one another. They're sibling tension. Here Martha is in the kitchen, and if you allow me to use my spiritual imagination, uh, Martha was cooking some collard greens and <laughs> macaroni and cheese, some honey-baked ham. Amen, somebody. And to top it all off, she had some hot peach cobbler over to the side. I'm getting myself hungry. <laughs> and so there Martha is, I can imagine her in the kitchen, and she's thinking till she's talking to herself, and I'm just tired of this sister of mine. I'm, I'm sick of her. And maybe Jesus can speak some sense into her. So she goes to, directly to Jesus. She doesn't even talk to Mary. She goes to Jesus and say, Jesus, don't you care that my sister is not in the kitchen helping me? Tell her to come help me. Jesus, you can fix her. You can change her, Jesus. But then we discover Jesus says to Martha that Mary is where she should be, sitting at my feet and learning from me. And there's something, there's some lessons I want us to, to incorporate into our own life. There are some rhythms uh, that Mary made some, made some choices, but there are some rhythms uh, in this text that I want us to not lose sight of as we go through this Christmas season. Uh, and not just the Christmas season, but as a part of our Christian life, there are some rhythms, some that rhythms that God wants us to be the practice. And, and we learn these rhythms from Mary's life. First of all, Mary chose the rhythm of worship before work. She chose the rhythm of worship before working. In other words, Mary pursued holiness before hospitality. The key word is before, because there's nothing wrong with hospitality. There's nothing wrong with work, but the priority is in, must be in order. So Mary chose the rhythm of worship before work. In other words, she sat at Jesus' feet listening to what he was saying. Now, you have to understand that the cultural context of this passage is that Mary was not supposed to be around the other disciples sitting at Jesus' feet. That in, in Jewish culture, women were just a little bit higher than children. And they did not have a right, based on Jewish culture, to be sitting at the foot of a rabbi. That they were not to be considered to be disciples. Jesus breaks that cultural barrier and says, Mary has just as much a right to sit at my feet as Peter, James, and John. Mary deserves to be here. 
Amen, sisters. So Jesus breaks that, that cultural barrier. Jesus says, you know, she, she has a right to be here, but Mary chose worship before work. And see, what we see here is that whenever we choose worship before work, then our work becomes a form of worship. When we choose worship before work, our work becomes a form of worship. In other words, we must seek to worship Jesus. We must seek to, we cannot allow that, uh, the work we do for Jesus to separate us from Jesus. Uh, we, we, we must choose to keep our minds and our eyes on Jesus. We must, God wants us to serve and work from the overflow of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Only then will we have the right spirit to do the work that God has called us to do. The text also points out that Martha was distracted by her many tasks. This word distracted literally means to be pulled away from that which is most important. Martha was pulled away. She was, her mind was, was plagued with worry. And so Martha was distracted and pulled away, as one writer says, from the source of ministry. And sometimes we, we find ourselves having so much to do, our agenda is so busy that we are pulled away from the source, the one who provides the strength to do the work that he has called us to do. And that's what Martha did not understand, and this is what Jesus is beginning to help Martha to see, that Martha thought for sure that Jesus would be on her side. She was trying to get Jesus to support her agenda. Now, you got to understand, you can never get God on your agenda. <laughs> God does not support our agenda. The, the, goal, the goal of Jesus Christ, the goal that we see Jesus here, is to get people on God's agenda. And so we find here that Mary chose worship before work. And see, when, when we choose worship before work, then that which is secular becomes sacred. In other words, everyone, not everyone can preach from the pulpit. Not, not everyone has been called to preach a pastor, but your, your pulpit, your platform is where you serve, your career. You know, if, if you are a, a lawyer, uh, being a lawyer is just as much as a platform to proclaim the grace and the love of our Jesus Christ just as, being, just as much as it is being in this pulpit. See, God wants us to, to take our worship not just within the country, you know, because all of us are on our best behavior in the church. We're, we're all on, you know, we're all on our best, best behavior. When someone, I ask you how you're doing, you'll say you're blessed. But the question is, will you do that when you're at work? <laughs> when you do the, will you do that when you're at home? And, and what God wants us to do is to turn that which is secular and begin to understand that whatever God has called us to t do, it's a sacred task. To be a teacher is a sacred task. To be a lawyer is a sacred task. I know you don't believe it, but to be a politician is a sacred task. Amen, somebody. To be a doctor is a sacred task. 
as far as it depends on us who are Christians, those of us who have been called out of darkness and into the marvelous light, God has called us to be faithful. I think Mother Teresa said it best when she said that God did not put me in this world to be successful, but he put me here to be faithful. You see, if we're faithful, success will come. But if we try to pursue success, then we find ourselves not getting there because we're doing it for the wrong reason. But God wants us to be faithful. Because if we choose work before worship, we, we find ourselves not serving in the right spirit. If we choose work before worship, we find ourselves getting burned out. If we choose work before worship, we find ourselves getting ticked off. If we choose work, work before worship, we find ourselves not serving in the right spirit because we begin to serve in the flesh and not in the spirit which God has called us to serve in. We begin to serve from the undertow rather than the overflow of our relationship with Jesus Christ. So Mary chose the rhythm of worship before work, but not only that, Mary chose the rhythm of silence before service. It says that she was listening to what he was saying. If you notice in this passage, Mary doesn't say a word. Even when Martha is talking, she blocks Martha's voice out. Because she's heard the story before. She's listening to, listening to what he's saying. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, we need to engage in intentional listening and detach ourselves from the hustle and bustle of everyday life. We need to be intentional and say, Lord, give me ears to hear and eyes to see. Give me a spiritual sensitivity of what you're saying to me, Lord, in this season of my life. Mary's behavior implies that we need to be teachable before we can serve rightly and faithfully. Question is today, are you teachable today? Are you teachable or do you, know, do you think you know everything? The question is, are you, are you teachable to the word of God? Because God wants to shape us. He wants to mold us into the image of Jesus Christ so that we might be fit for his use no matter where God calls us to serve. We need to be teachable. You see, Mary sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to what he was saying implies that Mary's, Mary says, I want to be a follower of you, Jesus. I want to be a disciple of you. I, I want to serve in the right spirit, Lord. I, I want to be used by you. Mary didn't care about being around all of those men. She said, my eyes are on you, Jesus. I'm worshiping you. You're the one who matters to me most. You are the priority in my life. Mary wanted to serve rightfully and faithfully. I think Warren Wiersbe said it, said it best. He said, the most important part of the Christian life is the part that only God sees. Unless we meet Christ personally and privately each day, we will soon end up like Martha, busy but not blessed. Let me say that again. Somebody may have missed that. Unless we meet Christ personally and privately each day, we will soon end up like Martha, being busy but not blessed. 
brothers and sisters, are you, do you find yourself busy today? But you don't feel like you're, you're, you're blessed? You don't feel like you're being blessed? Did you, do you find that when you look at your agenda and your calendar that there's no room for Jesus on your calendar? Do you find yourself giving Jesus the leftovers in your devotion time when your day is done, when you should give him the first fruits of your mornings and spend some time with him so that, he, that you can serve and work in the spirit of Jesus and the strength of Jesus? Brothers and sisters, God wants us to give him the first fruits of our time together. He wants us to be, to be in a state of perpetual blessedness rather than perpetual busyness. Sometimes we're in such a rush to get nowhere fast. And God wants us to rest in who he is. So I want to challenge you today to make room in your calendar for Jesus. Especially during this Christmas season, if it's really about Jesus, why don't we spend more time with him? Mary chose the rhythm of silence. And what we find here is that because Mary chose to be silent, Jesus defends Mary. Mary didn't say anything to her sister Martha. But also notice here that this didn't happen in the context of the church. This happened at home. Because it's, it's in the context of the home where uh, we have our most problems. <laughs> it's in the context of the home where we have an sibling tension and it's in the context of the home where things get disrupted the most. And so we should build an altar at home. The home should be the first place of worship before we even come to church. Because if we worship God at home, then when we get to church, we don't have to worry about how we feel because we brought worship with us in the context of the sanctuary. We don't have to worry about the, the, the choir, or the praise team uh, getting us all riled up. We already have a spirit of worship within us because we have worshiped the Lord at home. Because the home is where life makes up its mind. We, we have to worship God at home in order for the church to be right. Because the, the home is just a microcosm of the church. And if we're doing things right at home, then it, it will manifest itself rightly within the context of the church. Last but not least, Mary chose the rhythm of relationship before routines. She chose the rhythm of relationship. She, Mary is constantly sitting at Jesus' feet. She wants to be in a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. So she was sitting at Jesus' feet, taking in everything that he said. And she was sitting there, and, and because she chose to be in a relationship with Jesus, now don't get me wrong, Martha is important. The only, only issue Jesus has with Martha, as we see in this text, the only issue he has with her is the priority, the priority of, of the work that she's doing. We need Marthas in our churches as much as, much as we need Marys. But it's the, the question is, who are we putting first? What are we putting first? Sometimes we need to engage ourselves and we need to choose relationship before routines. You see, our relationship with the Savior can redeem our routines. 
in order to partake of his nature, we must first sit at his feet. If we want to be like Jesus, if we want Jesus to rub off on us, if we want to take on his character, we must commit to regular times at sitting at the feet of Jesus Christ and taking in his words. You see, brothers and sisters, discipleship sometimes requires that tasks be suspended while fellowship be maintained. In other words, sometimes we got to call a sabbatical on ourselves. We got to say, Lord, Lord, you know, my, my spirit is not right. I, I need to take some time out and spend some time with you. Sometimes we're serving in ministry and we're so overwhelmed, so burned out that we need to say, you know, I need to call a moratorium on myself and say, I need to spend some time with Jesus Christ. Sometimes we find ourselves of what we do for the Lord, separating us from the Lord, and God says, time out. God says, time out. So is fellowship with Jesus being maintained? Are you... Are you your time, are you, are you praying and talking to the Lord? Are you spending time in prayer talking with the Lord? Are you spending time in God's word, sitting at his feet and listening to the word of God, reading the word of God? Uh, there was one writer who said, for now, treat the word of God as the presence of God. Every time I open up the word of God, I'm looking into the face of God. For now, treat the word of God as the, the presence of God. Maintain your fellowship with Jesus Christ, especially during this Christmas season. You see, what we, what we find here is that whenever we spend private time with Jesus, it gives us public power to deal with problem people. <laughs> let, me say, let me say that one more time because somebody needs... You need to get this in your spirit. Whenever we spend private time with Jesus, it gives us public power, public power to deal with problem people. Because people are fickle. They are moody. They change their minds. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Every time someone comes to Jesus, I don't care whether the person is a demoniac, I don't care if the person is sick, Jesus has the same attitude. He's always willing to help and to serve and to heal. So I want to submit to you today to maintain your fellowship with Jesus Christ. Dr. Peter Crave, who's a Christian philosopher, out of Boston College, in reflecting on this passage, he put it this way. He says, Martha put second things first. And when you put second things first, you miss first things and mess up second things. Let me say that one more time. Martha put second things first. Hospitality, that's a second thing. When you put Second things first, you miss first things. Sitting at Jesus' feet, that's the first thing. Not only do you get first things, but you also get second things if you put first things first. I know this is confusing, y'all. <laughs> if we can do, the, this is what he says now, if we can do the contemplation of Mary, then we can do the work of Martha in the spirit of Mary instead of the spirit of Martha. 
So if, if, we, if we spend some time sitting at Jesus' feet and doing the contemplation of Mary, thinking about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and thinking about the words of God, I think that's why Paul said, let the words of Christ dwell in you richly. So when the words of Christ dwell in us richly, then we are ready to do the work of Martha. But I'm afraid what happens many times, we try to do the work of Martha in the spirit of Martha and not in the spirit of Mary. But I will submit to you today to maintain your fellowship with Jesus Christ. I will submit to you today to put first things first and do the work of Martha in the spirit of Mary. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for Martha and Mary. We thank you for helping us to understand the importance of rest. Some of us feel like we are in a rush during this Christmas season, dear God, and I pray, Lord, that we would recenter our lives at the foot of Jesus and that we would make this a simple Christmas by resting in his presence so that we would really figure out and gather in who Jesus really is to us. For he is the only one that can give us true rest, true peace, true joy, true love, and true grace. In Jesus' name we pray.